But then when I created Read the Cyber Boss, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be my way of giving back to my community. I wanna empower my culture, people who look like me to say, hey, you can do this too. Welcome back to the Zero Hour, brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. I'm George Comedy. I'm Ashley Stone. And today's guest to kick off Cybersecurity Awareness Month is Re the Cyber Boss. She is, by day, a business risk line manager at Ally Financial, but online she is Re the Cyber Boss, and she is a force to be reckoned with. She's incredible on top of all of that. She's studying to get her master's in cyber psychology, lifting up others with boss of the week and sharing tips and tricks to everybody who wants to listen. Yeah, it's a crazy journey. It's well worth the listen. So let's get into it with Re the Cyber Boss. Your journey into cybersecurity is an interesting one. Can you tell us how you got here? Oh, that's always a... I'll try to make this question a little bit short because it's such a long story, but we like um, long stories. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> so I, my background, well, my undergrad is in criminal justice. Um, I went to college thinking I want to be a lawyer. That's what I want to be. I've always said I wanted to be a lawyer. Got to Central Michigan University, um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I went from political science major, law major. I, I didn't think the law program was. Um, they didn't put a lot of emphasis on it. So I ended up taking a sociology class and it just so happened that my teacher, he's like, oh, I'm I'm the internship coordinator for criminal justice. You should, you should sign up for it. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So I did criminal justice, um, ended up taking a lifespan development class and made child development my minor. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be a family lawyer when I graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't happen. When I graduated, I thought, okay, I went straight to grad school and I actually started going into uh, social work. And I thought I was going to be an infant mental health therapist. Two months went past in the program. I'm like, this is not for me. I'm, I'm not engaged. I'm not, I'm feeling like an outsider. I, I need to do some research to see, you know, how I can, what can I put my skill set towards? And um my aunt has been in the IT field for over 20 years. She was the first one to get me. I can remember learning how to type at age five. She got me my first laptop. Awesome. She always took me to work. Uh, my mom works for the government. So different um, <laughs> different work environments. So I could never mm-hmm. go to work with her. But my aunt always um, exposed me to that. So she was like, oh, well, you should, you know, look into cybersecurity. And I'm like, cybersecurity? I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, I'm not sure if... I'm smart enough for that. So I just end up Googling it and um, University of Detroit Mercy actually had a master's program in it. I reached out to the professors and said, hey, what's the requirements? Had a meeting with the director and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna apply. I got in, started January, 2018. Um, the first three months of the program was was awful. Like I thought I was gonna like drop out because I'm like, this is a lot. But after three months, I fell in love with it and I haven't looked back since. And um, I'm thankful for that program. Um, it, I was working full time and it, it just worked around my schedule. I was able to learn the business aspect, a little bit of the technical aspect. Um, I gained a lot of um, friendships and um, networking opportunities from that. And then um, actually at the time, while I was taking my program, I was teaching at child time because uh, I needed a job coming back from school. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so happened the president of our company walked in 
everybody's scared to talk to him. I'm like, I'm not like, he's asking us, what are we going to school for? Most people are going to school for, um, you know, to teach and child development. I'm like, oh, I'm going to school for cybersecurity. Like that's what my master's is in. He's like, oh, great. Like we're, you know, we're starting a cybersecurity department at the headquarters, you know, can I connect you? Of course. And so, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. So I'm thinking like, okay, this is an executive. He's probably not going to get back to me for another couple weeks or months. Who knows? I got off, I went on my lunch break at about 12 and I had an email from him and he connected me with his senior vice president of IT. Um, at the time I was still in school. So the SVP of IT helped me on my final project. Next thing you know, I had an internship there. Next thing you know, I was hired there. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was, uh, I loved working for that company. It was Learning Care Group. It was, I had already worked for that company for a year and a half being a teacher. So making the career growth to um, the headquarters was great. The headquarters was located in Novi, Michigan, so not far. Um, and I, it was only two of us there. It was my boss and myself. Um, we just had, I'll call it creative differences. Um, she's been in the field since it was called information security back in the 90s. I'm more from the digital area. I'm from the digit, the current digital space, mm -hmm. millennial, and we consider it cybersecurity. So we just had two different um, views and I just decided to leave the company and go seek out better career opportunities. That's how I ended up at Ally and I really haven't looked back since because it's a great company to work for. That's interesting. What was the, um, I, I'm interested in the background because we've talked with a number of CISOs and uh, most recently, uh, Anthony Johnson, formerly deputy CISO at Capital One. And he he was actually of the opinion that if you come from two technology, a background, you, you tend to miss how to measure risk with respect to the business. So it's interesting to me that you came from criminal justice, which has a component of psychology and kind of like understanding behavior uh, and then crossing over. What was it about that first three months that was so difficult? Was it just like a lot of technical stuff in that in that first span when you started? I think I was so used to, I was coming from research-based type of things, statistics, mm -hmm. crime, criminology, sociology, coming from that to cybersecurity, I was like, what? Like, I got it. Like, I get it. And and I wasn't the only one because I was in the program. Some people came from a history major. Some people came from a medical background, but it's really just about understanding the technology. I mean, cybersecurity is a little different than computer science because most people go into a cybersecurity mm -hmm. program thinking they're going to be like computer science. Computer science focuses on building the software, building a computer, learning how the computer works. Cybersecurity is, okay, how can we protect it? How can we protect the network? How can we protect the system? How can we manage the risk? What's going to happen, you know, from this software being built? I think for me, it was just trying to take my criminal justice hat off mm -hmm. and put my technology hat on. And, um, it's like, I already, it's like, and my professor never even knew that I had an issue with the semester. He's like, I would have never known because I was always at class. I was always asking questions. I was taking good notes. I think it was just my own personal thing. I'm like, I can't do this. This is, mm. this is not going to work. But yeah, after the first three months, I was like, I love it. 
and I'm not. Oh, then it, then the the gears clicked and it was yes, ready to go. Absolutely. That's cool. So so you mentioned uh, I'm going to take a turn here. You mentioned that you're currently a business line risk manager. Um, if you were a superhero, that would be like your alter ego. Yeah. Um, so uh, so I'm curious, what inspired you to start re the cyber boss? Like, what are you? What were you hoping to accomplish with with this? Venture? Yeah. So. It's funny because um, it's such a weird story because I never thought about starting a business. Um, I am cold hardly support working for a company, working for somebody, because mm -hmm. I, I definitely respect business owners because it's so much. Um, but I, I would say last year, um, people would just um, ask me to speak at career days. They would ask me to speak on panels and um, I would always get different people trying to come to me like oh I want to get into cybersecurity. how do I do it and um, you know at first I was just doing it just because and then as time went on more people were asking me for stuff I'm like okay I need to make this like a blog so I'm like okay I'll make it into a blog then the pandemic happened <laughs> <laughs> and I was like okay I'm gonna take this time I'm working from home now um, I got a logo made and I, you know, someone that I went to college with reached out to me um, and saw that I was putting a lot of stuff on my personal Instagram. And that person actually reached out to me like, hey, I'm a virtual assistant. I help people build out their social media pages. Let me help you free of charge. Okay. Um, so she helped me set up an Instagram page and a Facebook and I just, uh, it, and then it was born. Like I, I consider, um, when I talk about cyber, I consider myself really the cyber boss. And that's how I came up with the name. Cause a lot of people are like, well, what is that? I'm like, I just took the J and the E off my name and <laughs> put it in front of the cyber boss. Um, and then I just wanted something creative. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of, of a few different things, but read the cyber boss just, it just matched well with me. And I just feel like that's my alter ego when I'm talking about cyber. And um, that, you know, that's how I was born. Um, I'm in the process of trying to trademark it right now. It's, um, it's an LLC through the state of Michigan, mm -hmm. but my goal before 2020 ends, um, I would like to have it trademarked. Nice. Cool. And so I remember when we were uh, reading up on you, we have a, a mutual acquaintance and Daryl Kelly, who we've also interviewed here. Yes. So I remember reading uh, on the Instagram page and on your website that the vision was sort of empowering the culture to establish and maintain a secure online presence. Did you, when you were talking with people, did you see a gap? Did you see like community members were getting fished or there was just like a lack of awareness? Like what, was there something there that you're, that you're, you wanted to address specifically? Like, was it small businesses? Because mm -hmm. a lot of the tips that you put out are, applicable to both, both the personal end user and also business owners? Yeah, um, when I initially came out with it, um, I think just with all, I call it our modern day civil rights movement with all of that going on and our, and just the, just so much that's going on right now during the pandemic. I just noticed that um, there are not a lot of African-Americans in cybersecurity. That's we, for only, sure. <laughs> we only make up 3%. And um, just me as an African-American woman, if we take males out, the percentage mm -hmm. is even lower. And I just noticed that with all of my friends, I have a variety of friends, but 
I noticed um, with all my friends and family, there was a gap of protecting yourself mm-hmm. regarding cybersecurity. But then when I created Read the Cyber Boss, I'm like, okay, this is going to be my way of giving back to my community. I want to empower my culture, people who look like me to say, hey, you can do this too. Because this is cybersecurity is a male dominated field. And um, just the cold, hard truth, it's more, there are more Caucasians than minorities. Yeah, and for sure. I, I want to use this to empower people to let you know, like, hey, don't don't let anyone stop you from feeling like you can't get into this field because that's exactly what happened to me. Like that, that was one one reason why I left my previous job. It, it was like, because I'm African-American, I don't know what I'm talking about, or I'm a woman, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be in this field. So that kind of gave me the motivation to say, okay, this is what my business is going to go towards. And, you know, my business, I mean, of course I have a career. This is like my, uh, my own side, small business, but I don't even have a goal of trying to be like number one one day because there's so many people who have businesses like me. But Mm -hmm. if I do maybe like four or five workshops a year and I touch at least one person, I'm satisfied with that. Um, It's not even about the money. Um, If I get some, cool, I'll just put it in the savings. But, you know, my end goal, I eventually will want a big company to just hire me to do trainings, seminars, workshops. Um, but as of now, I just, I love doing it. I love educating on cybersecurity because it's important. And, um, this is like my baby. And I, and, and for sure there's a, there's an economic empowerment argument there too, right? Because if a small business can be destroyed by a $5,000 ransomware note, right? So if, if you can, if you can help a mom and pop stay open or just protect their systems, which they increasingly rely on like a Shopify instance or whatever, I mean, you've done good work. Cool. Yeah. And it's also thinking about as we grew up, these things weren't taught in schools. It's only now coming to fruition. So you've got a huge knowledge gap um, of people from millennials to older where they just don't know, understand how things work. So they don't have the tools to protect themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, a lot of the times when I speak I've, I speak to younger children so I go I think the youngest I've ever done is third grade and I've spoken to and I think the oldest I've ever done is uh, maybe like 70s so I I don't I want to educate everybody so that's one thing if someone reached out to me I don't have an age preference. I don't have an environment Mm. preference. There is no preference. I will educate everybody and I can tailor whatever you want me to talk about to that age. You know, so if I'm talking to younger children, they like a lot of pictures. They don't like a lot of words. They have a lot of questions. If I'm talking to middle school and high school, I need to talk a lot about social media and phones so I can try to get their, you know, attention because that's what they're focused on. And if I'm talking to high school and college, you know, I kind of set it up to, hey, this is this is the cold hard truth. Watch what you put on social media. Watch, you know, <laughs> control your passwords. You know, and then once you get to like, you know, um, like our parents' age, our grandparents' age, there's different things that you just have to break down just for them to understand. So I can get a little bit more um, I can get a little bit more technical, but I have to still be mindful and put it in business terms so they can understand. Yeah. yeah. Shout out, shout out to my mom who frequently asks me about phishing emails. And she's like, why would they send this to me? And I was like, 
because they can <laughs> because <laughs> they sent them and they got fingers crossed that a senior citizen is going to click through and I only need one or two of you to do it right it's like exactly it's it's I think it's a hard like even the motivation is difficult but mm -hmm. I think yeah you're you're right because I think one of the things that afflicts cybersecurity is that it is viewed as a very technology problem it's an IT problem right so it keeps getting pushed to people who like computers or something but we all use supercomputers that are in our pockets right and so absolutely. Like, we're all interfacing with this technology yes absolutely i agree yeah it's the it's the human factor and speaking of the human factor so in addition to working full-time you're read the cyber boss you're also studying for a master's in cyber psychology can you tell us what that's about? You know, that seems like a, a fairly new program. What, what are you yeah, studying? It's a, it's a killer about? degree title for sure. Um, so initially I was supposed to be starting my doctorate at Marymount um, in August. I was supposed to start there, but um, I kind of just stepped back a little bit like, okay, what do I want to do? Um, I've never been to an HBCU and I'm just like, you know, darn, like my kids are going to be like, you know, mom, you have all these degrees and you have not went to an HBCU. Uh, I'm in a sorority. So, you know, my sorority was founded at an HBCU. So I'm just like, you know, how can I give back? How can I, like, I want to be able to experience that. So I just started looking online, seeing if there was different doctorate programs at HBCUs and cybersecurity. There wasn't. A lot of it was computer science and I'm like, I'm not moving right now because I'm not leaving my job. And then I just stumbled upon cyber psychology and um, it's a new program in the United States. It's very prominent in the UK and London out there that it's everyone knows about it. Um, they have bachelor's and master's programs out there. Um, but cyber psychology is really essentially what it sounds like. It's, it's, it's the study of human behavior and how we react in the cyberspace, in the digital world. Um, and Norfolk is actually, um, Dr. Deb, he started it. That's the first master's program in the United States. Um, so That's we awesome. have, we're making history here. So it's about 15 of us in the program. I think about eight of us are full-time and the remaining are part-time. Um, but it's been, it's been amazing uh, so far. I think I have a, <laughs> I have a different mindset than everybody because this is my second master's. So mm -hmm. a lot of people who are in the program have either, you know, just been working and now they're getting a master's or they're coming from undergrad and getting their master's. And then also I'm the only one in the class who has a cybersecurity background. Majority of everybody has like actively working in cyber. Exactly. Right yeah. Yeah. Actively working in cybersecurity. And that's what my master's was in. Um, a lot of other people come from psychology and then there's like one other person. She, she comes from, uh, <laughs> uh, she comes from like, um, what is it? Uh, darn, is it public, public relations. That's what she comes mm -hmm. from. So it was like us two, we always like, we're like the outliers every time it's like, we like to stir things up, it's, which I don't mind, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, why are you getting another master's? And I'm like, cyber psychology is like the next, in my opinion, it's, it's up next. Cyber law is currently going on. That's going to be up next. And cyber psychology is also up next because think about the people who, 
let's use video games, for example. There are people who sit down and work with these people who are developing games. Like, okay, what is this person going to want to see? What feature are they going to want to see? How can we make it realistic? Even with um, like with Facebook or Instagram, what are people requesting? What are, how are they going to react to it? What does it look like? And even um, if you guys have iPhones, the iOS 14 update, yeah. I'm pretty sure somebody was like, okay, a lot of people want to see this. People are jailbreaking their phones to do this. How, what can we do to bring that like how can we bring that person in to better understand their behavior how, how can we make it more user-friendly for them or how can we make it um easy for them to adjust in a digital space so you yeah, know I, I imagine it'll also have a pretty big impact on anything you're doing in terms of awareness training right because it's not just trying to change a habit or a behavior you can get at a deeper understanding as to why people react that way like Yep. What is that response to urgency in the phishing email? Like, how do you help check that reflex? Exactly. And I also think it would be very beneficial in schools. I think like in schools, oh, sure. we have we have psychologists, social workers. We need a cyber psychologist in there, you know, specifically to deal with just helping the school as a whole adjust to the technology, helping students adjust to cyberbullying, because that 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 also is comes from that too. And a, a, a social worker and a psychologist are not really, they're not trained to talk about cyberbullying. They, they don't, they, they might understand from a mental health perspective, because I also have a little bit experience with that. But as far as cyber psychology, this is a different type of, this is a different type than the normal. So well, I think, and also understanding how to talk about the technology that teens spend six to eight hours a day on exactly right yes yeah, it's, it's a little bit different and i mean you know who knows what might come about you know jobs can come about you might can consult like a lot of cyber psychologists do consulting i think it'll work out great and i, I always like to be a part of um i always like to challenge myself and be a part of things that people wouldn't normally be a part of well, I mean, from criminology to cybersecurity back to yeah. cyber psychology, it looks like you've gone from the domain of the mind to the tech stack and now back to to the mind or like at least a, a twin approach to the two. Yeah. And it's like I actually um, I wrote a publication. Well, I wrote a thesis with my teacher when I was in my first master's program and I was studying cyber criminal profiling, trying to say like, there is no such thing and how can we make it a thing? Because cyber criminals are like number one on FBI's most wanted list, but that's because they're anonymous. Anybody can be a cyber criminal. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how I actually, I essentially I was writing about cyber psychology because when you get into cyber crime, that's forensic cyber psychology. So I was already writing about it and I'm like, when I saw this program, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, we're going to do research in this. So this is my opportunity to put forth towards more research. And then I can like update my article. I can do like another article because I already have a relationship with the editors that have my first article. So I'll always have a relationship with them no matter what, because they were the first ones to give me a try. Um, so I, I just, I think that this program will help, uh, help me out in many different ways. Sure. Awesome. Well, I want to turn back um, to Re the Cyberboss for a moment. Mm -hmm. So I noticed on Instagram, 
that you highlight uh, cyber tips, uh, sort of current risks that are going on. You're at a Cyber Tip Tuesday, but you also have um, a regular boss of the week. Yeah. And I want to start start with those bosses. Can you tell us a little bit more about the the women you've been highlighting and the motivations there? Yeah. So um, actually, when I started, um, when I was thinking about coming up with everything, like, okay, what am I going to post? I came up with this thing called Boss of the Week. Um, now, at the time, I didn't have a lot of followers on there. I have a lot of followers on my personal Instagram, but I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just do... At first, I'm like, okay, I'll just do bosses who are in IT. Then I thought, like, no, I'm going to do bosses across every field, both mm-hmm. men and women. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the first, like, most of the people I've done, it, it's something that they're they're in a different field. And they're, I want them to tell me, how are you giving back to your community? How are you empowering the culture? What, what like, what's your background? What are, you know, what are you doing? So, I've done a lot of um, small business owners. Um, I've done um, like one of my friends. She's uh, she's opening up a, a gymnastics space um, actually this Saturday. So she was the boss of the week this week. Um, one person um, I highlighted a male. Um, he's his own business owner. He has his own clothing brand. Uh, so I highlighted him. Um, one, two of my friends, um, they just came out with businesses, so I've, I've highlighted them. And a lot of the people I highlight, it's just something that I want you to be able to get. Um, I, I wanted to try to make it not so focused on cyber, but more so just, hey, read the cyber boss. This is the boss of the week. So this, mm-hmm. like this, a person who's, and I let people nominate themselves. Like if you want to nominate somebody, you can put it on the uh, on my website. You can DM me. And I, I go look at their page if I don't already know them. And I kind of, you know, I'm trying to highlight that people are out here doing different things. People work nine to fives, but they're all, but they also have a business or they might be volunteering or they might be doing something that you don't know about. And I want to use the boss of the week to highlight those who are empowering their culture and dominating their field. Awesome. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. And also, I, I also appreciate in the, in the tips that you have also highlighted um one post struck me was the you got a a mailer right you got this form in the mail a fraudulent sort of llc Mm -hmm. form and you highlighted it as a as a phishing scam which i think doesn't come to mind immediately especially for those of us who are working in tech because we think of it as an email or a social post or a dm with a malicious link but I remember reading the comments and seeing that somebody really appreciated the call out because they had just started an LLC and they had gotten similar uh, exactly. mailers. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I try to make, um, so I do boss of the week on Mondays, Tuesday is cyber tip Tuesday. Um, I, I try to find, even if it could be the most simple tip or it can be something that no one is thinking about. Um, or, you know, I use the current events to, you know, what's going on in the world. Like if something, if there's something going on, everybody is seeing it. I either make it a tip or I make it a post. Hey, be aware of this. Um, I do what I call cyber TV. Um, I've been on hiatus from that for a couple weeks because I was waiting for October. I normally do two month, uh, two episodes per month. And um, I've gotten like six episodes. So for um, cybersecurity awareness month, I'm going to do I'm going to be give my followers something special, give them an episode each week uh, for the rest of October. But going forward, 
it will be two episodes um, a month because I like to do it biweekly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that a lot of people appreciate that. They, they like to hear me talk for five or 10 minutes. I keep it really informal. I know sometimes when people hear cybersecurity, they're like, oh, I'm uptight. I only like, you know, I always wear a suit. That's not true. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't. I, and like, that's just, I'm just trying to break the stigma of what people look like who work in cybersecurity because I don't have a hood on with yes, coffee, the hoodie with a keyboard typing I don't do that I'm not you know I don't have just I mean of course I wear glasses but I can see without my glasses like I don't I'm not wearing a suit every day I'm not getting dressed every day like I might want to have on hoodie and yoga pants or you know I have my brand shirt on with just regular jeans like I don't I'm trying to break this stigma that you have to be this super stickler technology person to be in cybersecurity Everyone has their own spin on cybersecurity and everything that I do at work and my brand, that's me. Like, you know, I can, I know how to act in a professional setting and then I know how to be a little informal for, you know, things like this or when I'm doing a workshop, because sometimes people don't notice you can scare people off with the way, yeah, the way that you're presenting something. So if I'm presenting something, I'm taking it down to their level so we can understand on the personal level so you can actually learn and not feel like you're being taught in school and that you don't know what you're talking about. Or or again, it's just not approachable. It just feels like cyber is arm's length. Exactly. Yeah. So I try to steer away from that. That's great. What what kind of feedback have you been getting and engagement with what you're putting out there? Um, well, people love my page. I can my my social media presence, really specifically Instagram, because the other platforms don't they're not set up like Instagram, like Facebook. Um, I do Facebook a lot for my for my family all over the states because they love seeing it. Um, I would say my mom is my number one supporter. It doesn't matter what I post, she's reposting it. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but um People really like my Instagram. They like that I keep up the um, the colors that I have. They like that I'm consistent with my tips, the boss of the week, my episodes. Um, and I just, I've been getting really positive feedback. I mean, initially I, I used to post all that stuff on my personal page and people were like, no, you need your own page. And, you know, I don't even care about the amount of followers I have. At this point, I never know who's going to look at my page. So I just keep doing it. And then, you know, as time goes on, I get more followers. Um, it's, it's interesting that you guys said you interviewed uh, Daryl Kelly. It's, it's really funny because when I made that post about how there's only 3% of Black people in cybersecurity, we actually connected on LinkedIn. And he's like, hey, I'm starting this association. You should join. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, so um, I definitely commend him. Shout out to him because he he has built such an amazing uh, amazing just space for people to get into cybersecurity, talk about their experience, be motivated. We all help each other. So um, and while still a student, there. dude's amazing. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes, and I think it's about I think it's about maybe over nine hundred of us in the group. Wow, man, that's awesome. Yeah, and 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 I think and it just started in July. So it's been only a few months. So yeah, um, that's been exciting. And then um, I I really appreciate my consistency because it speaks it speaks to people. And I actually um, got approached by Blacks in Cybersecurity. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a partner of Reason Cyber Boss is a partnership with them now. So it, it's just amazing 
how much your social media presence can work for you. It can, it can, it can enhance your networking. It can, you know, make you, um, you know, people see you. I mean, just like how you guys found me, like, you know, it's, it helps out. So that's like the best feedback that I've gotten back and that people like that I'm informal. That's, that's just how it is. Like they, they love that I'm informal because it gives them a chance to actually learn and not feel um, like they don't, like they don't not feel like they don't um, know what they're talking about. They, they want to learn and they want to walk away like, okay, I learned X, Y, and Z. So, yeah. Right. Approachable cool. and, and a clear takeaway of something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah a little bit. So if we're thinking about all of the different tips um, that you've been sharing, I'd love to know what are you seeing uh, in the space of attacks or threats with respect to this new work from home environment where we're living in a pandemic, everybody's in their home offices, uh, both from the perspective of as a risk manager, uh, your, your daytime job, and then you as Re, the cyber boss. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> at work, <sighs> I mean, I will say that my job did a damn good job to prepare us to work from home. Um, we just have the collaboration to work together to set us up from home. So like, just for example, my job, a lot of people did have home offices. I didn't have a home office. I had to build one, but let's just say, okay, I only got my laptop. So my job was like, okay, anybody who doesn't have a monitor and documentation, get it. We don't know when we're going to come back. Let's just be prepared. And, you know, of course, just, you know, I have a close relationship with the network team. So just understanding their role in this and how they got to make sure we have a secure VPN so we all can log on, we all can work from home. And I think it's been pretty good. Um, from a personal standpoint, just everybody, Zoom <laughs> was like the worst when the pandemic happened because Zoom was trying to do good and allow everyone to use it free of charge just because of the pandemic happened. But Zoom bombing or Zoom hacking, mm-hmm. if you call it, people are just randomly getting into Zooms, writing stuff on your presentation. And um, it was it was difficult like that. and kudos to zoom for having to deal with that because i'm pretty sure they were working from home and now they have to deal with all of these vulnerabilities that are coming about um you know just being mindful about um just the smallest stuff like cleaning your desktop i never leave anything on my desk i still lock my computer up even though you know it's just me my mom comes visit sometimes it doesn't matter like i still put it up um if i have company you know and then um people don't realize that when you're working it's whatever you're talking about, that's confidential. That's that's proprietary information. So if I know that my mom is gonna be here, okay, I want I, my office space isn't out in the open in my loft area. Okay, she's gonna need to go in a room and close the door because I don't, of course people are understanding with people walking past in the background, but they don't want you like someone sitting with you like, oh yeah, I'm trying to learn too. Like, yeah. no, you don't work here. <laughs> so it's just trying to, treat your office your home office like you would in the physical office and um passwords people don't never really pay attention to passwords i tell my friends all the time change your passwords stop making them long i ask them their passwords and i tell them to tell me i'm like, okay tell me your passwords and change it 
and they still don't listen to me. And I'm like, well, now I know. <laughs> yeah, this is the time to change your password because we're we're working from home. And um, you know, my recent cyber tip, I, I emphasized on the um iOS 14 detection of passwords, like the keychain, but that's only if you hold your passwords in the keychain. And it's not that it's not unsafe because it's no different than if you're writing down your passwords and locking it in the safe. It's no different than you downloading a, a password app or actually having a password vault on your computer. You have to make sure that whatever is locked, whatever you're gonna, you wanna protect your passwords with a strong password. So like with the iCloud keychain, okay, your iCloud password needs to be hard. You know, your face ID, you, I got multiple faces on my face ID and it was really interesting for somebody, just me being transparent. When I looked up the, the detection of passwords, I had 150 passwords and it said most of them were being used across the same website. And I'm like, really? But I never noticed. Like I never, cause I never kept yeah. passwords. I right. never noticed. I, I never kept it. And then I'm like, okay, let me do an experiment. Cause if I'm going to, because anytime I present, I'm learning with them. I'm, and, you know, that's how I like to keep it. So I'm like, okay, I'll do, before I did the tip, I did it myself. I spent about a week coming up with stronger passwords, you know, using my own advice and clearing out my security recommendations. And I finally got down to zero. And um, I did it on both of my phones. I have my, uh, my personal phone and then my business phone. So I thought that was really interesting. But, you know, people don't think about that. Even people who work in cybersecurity. For sure. And and credential stuffing is like the number one way in is they're going to compromise, you know, some other site like MyFitnessPal and you just recycled that password on yep. 100 different sites or more to the point if they get your Facebook account and you use the Facebook single sign on, right, then they can just get into Netflix, which has your payment information. They can get it. You know, it's your life is more connected digitally than and then a lot of people realize. Exactly. Absolutely. I agree. Cool. So, so I want to turn, you're talking about work. So let's turn back to that as a business line risk manager. I, I was reading what you cover. It's a lot. It's everything from regulatory compliance to like the technical risks and stuff. So can you talk a little bit about kind of the approach of balancing risk and revenue? Cause this is a conversation we have a lot with a lot of people, but it's, you know, you say no to everything, then, you know, ally gets left behind by competitors who are willing to you know mm -hmm. enable things that they're not so just how do you approach that and given that you have this new cyber psychology degree that you're studying for how are you sort of conceiving of risk reward or risk revenue i guess from the so business? so with so with ally um it's interesting because the role that i have the blrm role is the abbreviation this actually came about from um, we pretty much got audited back in, I, I came to Ally in 2019. So back in 2018, they were audited and they said, hey, Ally, you don't manage risk well. What are you going to do to fix it? They came up with a plan and they created all these different teams. We have a BLRG team, which is business line risk governance. They handle standards. They handle documents. Um, they handle our exception and issue process. Um, they handle the third party risk management review. And then, then we have BRSOs, which are business risk security officers. All of these um, um, individuals sit in the cybersecurity department and each of them are assigned to a business unit within IT to be the liaison of cybersecurity. Then you have the BLRM. 
similar to the BRSO role, my role, we represent the business unit and we're the liaison to connect with cybersecurity. So my whole role is managing the risk of the business unit. So the, <laughs> it really looks like I do a lot because I'm in the infrastructure space. We're the mm -hmm. heart of the company. If right. anything happens in the infrastructure, we're screwed. So I help manage a lot of that. And um, it can be a little difficult because the people I work with, they only care about how does the application work? You know, and my upgrade are my upgrades time. Did you know did this deploy appropriately? When it gets to vulnerabilities and risk, they're like, what? What what do you want me to do? It it was it's a culture change that people had to get used to. And um I think that what I learned from I'm still my program is still new. I, I only been in it for six weeks, so I don't feel like I've been able to take anything from there to apply it to work yet. But I will say that Ally will go above and beyond. <laughs> to uh, manage their risk. And they put a lot of emphasis on our role because we're responsible for, you know, relaying the concerns from our business unit back to the cybersecurity department so they can say, okay, how can we enhance this more? What can we do to make sure that everyone is safe and secure? And how, you know, to make sure that everyone's getting helped. That's know? good. It sounds like you're kind of breaking down the primary obstacle we usually hear about, which is that IT and security is sort of over here and everyone else is doing their work over here, trying to drive growth, revenue, whatever, and they don't exactly. want to talk to one another. It sounds like yeah. your, your role is to be the diplomat between those two worlds. That's cool. Um, so uh, we are coming down to the last question here and I want to return to a point you brought up very early on, which is the the 3% uh, mark here in, in cybersecurity as an industry. So in terms of representation and inclusion in cybersecurity, what are your thoughts on the primary obstacles? Is it you're not seen? Is it uh, early mentoring? We've heard a lot of different perspectives on it. And I'm just keen to get yours as to like, you know, it sounded like you had a really supportive aunt who kind of introduced you to that but like from a systemic standpoint where do, where you see the the challenges coming from um well i agree with what ashley said earlier growing up we didn't get well number one cybersecurity just got it was founded in 1970 so it's only about 47 years old so it's not it's not even been around two you know 50 years yet but um i think that growing up i never knew about cybersecurity always knew about computer science, always knew about IT, never mm -hmm. knew, okay, who are the people that protect it? When my stuff gets hacked, who are the people that fix it? So I, I never knew about that. And then, um, you know, I think it's this thing that women shouldn't, we shouldn't be in IT, we should be doing something else. I don't think that's true because that's like saying that a man can't be a massage therapist or a man can't do nails, but yeah, he can. If that's his, you know, if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. And I kind of feel like that about cybersecurity. I just feel like, um, like at my last company, I was the, it was maybe three of us who were black. And I was the only woman that was black in the cybersecurity department. It's like <laughs> compounding bias. It's like concentric yeah. rings of bias. Yeah. And like I was personally. like, yeah, and it, it was weird because I'm like, where, like, why? what is it? I, I would think that, you know, you, 
it, it, just, it just behooves me sometimes because I'm like, I'm so confused. And I think that's what kind of like, you know, at my last company, they always, it was always the way I dressed. It was always the way I wore my hair. It was always mm-hmm. like, they were too focused on the wrong stuff. Like you need to be focused on how I'm helping you with the cybersecurity department and not- <laughs> Right, is the network safe? <laughs> yeah, like not what I'm wearing, not how my hair is going. So that that was really, that put me in a really bad space. It made me feel like, okay, do I belong here? Because you guys are not seeing my work. And I, I think people- corporations in corporate America, just me being honest, they get distracted. They get distracted by how African-Americans present themselves. I mean, if, you know, but that's just in our culture. We, we, we are known to be different. We're just, you know, we're festive. And it's like, you know, um, I was really discouraged during that time. But then when I got to Ally, it was like a breath of fresh air. It, it was so many people, so many different um, cultures, so many, a lot of diversity. And, you know, they're trying to, incorporate more diversity and, you know, put emphasis on those individuals who are a minority, who are making a change, who deserve to be in this role. I just think that a lot of people get, we just have this, we have this stigma that you have to be a white guy with glasses, with a hoodie in a dark room for eight hours to be in cybersecurity. And that's not true. Like that. Yeah. I think it's any, any notion of what is quote unquote typical across the board is is a distraction from the quality or outcome of the work. Exactly, right? and, yeah. I, and that's so. definitely what we're missing. But that's another reason why I started Read the Cyber Boss for those who want to get interested in cybersecurity from a young age, who, you know, preparing the, the next generation, you know what I'm saying? Because we're gonna be, technology is always gonna be changing. You know, we're never gonna be up to date with it because it's always gonna be changing. There's always going to be somebody out there smarter thinking of something else. I mean, yeah. Well, once you build the safe, someone's going to figure out how to break in. <laughs> exactly. I mean, think of the person who came up like, "Oh, cars should drive themselves." Oh, okay. How can I hack into your car then? <laughs> oh, now we need people to figure out. Okay, what ways can they hack into your car, and how can we protect it? So it's just like we're always going to have those different things. So that's why I put a lot of emphasis on. I, I don't discriminate on who I'm going to educate because. You never know who wants to go into cybersecurity. There's somebody that contacts me every day that says, oh, I want to get into cybersecurity. What's your advice? And I well, even that. even your criminal justice background is interesting, right? Because when we talked to Daryl, he said he felt like there was a bait and switch. He thought to get into cyber, he had to go into like hard science or computer engineering. Mm-hmm. And then it was like halfway through his program, he figured out, oh, I don't need to have that experience in order to do this. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? Cybersecurity is, um, it's a very flexible, it's flexible because like I said, one of my teachers, he had, he was a history major in undergrad. He worked at the help desk during the, during our program. And now he works for Ford and he is the person who figures out how to protect hackers from the autonomous vehicles. And you know, just listening to his story, he was like, well, I would have never thought I would have got into cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Like I was, but he got interested when he was at help desk and he, he, the more he tinkered with stuff, the more he helped people, he's like, okay, I can tinker with it. Can I fix it? How can I protect it? So everybody's journey is very unique. And, you know, depending on what program you go in, you know, I know like with, when it comes to a master's in cybersecurity, 
they're they're really flexible depending on where you go. Um, but sometimes I think like maybe I should have went to cybersecurity when I was my bachelor's, but I didn't know, I didn't think, I just but you know, I don't regret my journey at all. I think it's very unique. I love telling the story and um it's gonna be how I make my impact on the cybersecurity world. Awesome. Well, Ree, thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Really applaud what you're doing with the Cyber Boss and all the, the contributions you're making. So thank you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me, for finding me. So glad I responded. <laughs> um, this is this is awesome. Um, I appreciate what you guys are doing, you know, highlighting everyone. And that wraps another episode of The Zero Hour brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. Many thanks to Kai Crow-Getty for sound design and post-production, to Matthias Cefaletti for our theme music, and as ever, to our guests for lending their valuable time and expertise and insights. Stay safe, stay strong. This is The Zero Hour, signing off. Until next time.